0: Our scripture this morning comes from the first epistle of Peter, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. For a little bit of context, just before this section, Peter was exhorting the members of the various churches to keep a clear conscience. Then he goes on. Therefore, since Christ suffered as a human, you should also arm yourselves with his way of thinking. This is because whoever suffers is finished with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their human lives in ways determined by human desires, but in ways determined by God's will. You have wasted enough time doing what unbelievers desire, living in their unrestrained immorality and lust, their drunkenness and excessive feasting and wild parties, and their forbidden worship of idols. They think it's strange that you don't join in these activities with the same flood of unrestrained wickedness. So they slander you. They will have to reckon with the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Indeed, this is the reason the good news was also preached to the dead. This happened so that, although they were judged as humans according to human standards, they could live by the Spirit according to divine standards. The end of everything has come. Therefore, be self-controlled and clear-headed so you can pray. Above all, show sincere love to each other, because love brings about the forgiveness of many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining. And serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. Whoever speaks should do so as those who speak God's word. Whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes. Do this so that in everything God may be honored through Jesus Christ. To him be honor and power forever and always. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you,
1: David. So for our guests this morning, just to bring you up to speed, our Lenten journey, we have uh, taken a a moment to just spend some time focusing in on Paul's fruits of the Spirit and the things in which he encourages the community of faith then to produce, to have them as outcomes in their lives. He encouraged them to be a people who saw things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, for that to be The mantra by which they live, the very presence by which they are within a a community of faith, but also in the world around them. So we took an opportunity to think about Lent as a season where you fast from different things and to think of it as a season where you might feast. So we thought about what it meant for us to fast from the things of the world so that we might feast on the fruits of the Spirit. Today we're going to continue that theme or concept, but we're going to think of it in a little bit different terms than maybe than what Paul had. We're going to include Paul's thoughts on what it means to fast from death, so that you might feast on eternal life, and what that might look for uh, look like for us today. But. To begin today, we're going to start out not with an April Fool's joke. I got asked that many times coming in if I had one for this morning. But we're going to start out with a game instead, all right? This is a participatory game, which means you get to reply as you are well capable of doing. But I'm pretty sure you'll catch on quickly. I'm going to start some phrases for you. We're going to identify those, some words, what they represent, finish some phrases together. And I know you're really, really smart people, so you're going to catch on to this really quick because guess what? The choir did in first service. I know you can as well, all right? I, I keep forgetting. They're behind me most of the time. But Okay, here we go. Ready? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. That was a jingle for... Alka-Salser. Very good. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a... coat. Very good, folks. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got... Nuts. Mounds don't. Good. You're catching on. I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aids... Stuck on me. Very good. You deserve a break today, so get up and get away to... So McDonald's ought to fire their ad agency for that one because it evidently didn't stick very well. All right? Can you remember this famous question? Can you hear me now? Who said that? Verizon. Which is confusing because Paul's now with Sprint, right? Where's the beef? Wendy's. And here's a good one. My baloney has a first name. It's? My baloney has a second name. It's? M-A-Y-E-R. And just think for a moment with me about those simple jingles, the phrases, the combination of words, and the fact that they all have stuck with you. That you remember them. But not just the words. How many of you, as you were saying the words, could even visualize aspects of the commercials themselves, right? Maybe for some of you, you remember the hippie kids walking through a field on a sunny day singing a song about peace and harmony. Or maybe you thought of the kids' voices singing a song about baloney. Or a short, dark-haired guy with dark-rimmed glasses swapping cell phones out of people's hands, hoping that they'll be able to hear better. You might remember those kinds of images, those words, those lasting impressions. And for some of us, we might have even responded to some of those commercials. We might have gone out and either bought those products, or we might just simply have sung with them as the commercials came on. Now let's test your memory just a little bit further in regards to some other maybe familiar words. For God so loved the world. That He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would have everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life, eternal life. I have come so that you might have life and life more abundantly. Right? Here's the core message for today, for you to hear on this Easter Sunday. Jesus was the first fruit of God. He was the first fruit fruit of God, the promise to produce in every single one of us resurrection, that if we have faith in him, that someday resurrection will and transpire for us, death to eternal life. Now, when I was thinking about that, that, that also kind of left me with a question. Maybe you have the same question as well. It, the question is, is, are we not living now? Are you not alive? Am I not alive? If it says that we are going to eventually get eternal life, life that's a more abundant, what are we living now? I mean, I got up this morning. I have a pulse. As far as I know, I have a pulse this morning. My thing told me that I did. I, my alarm clock went off at 545 this morning. It begged me to get out of bed so that I could be here on time. I got up. I took a shower. I brushed my teeth. I shaved. I did my hair because... You don't want to see this wig if it doesn't have goop and hairspray in it. Just saying that to you, all right? And I'm assuming that most of the rest of you are alive as well. And you got up and you did those very same things this morning too. You got up and showered and shaved and and got ready. And, And if you didn't, that's why your neighbor is looking funny at you at the moment, right? Okay. But what is Jesus saying to us? I have come to give you life and life more abundant Because it makes us sound like we're dead in some way, which can be confusing for us because we all consider ourselves to be living, and many of us living abundantly today. Here's the distinction. You see, Jesus wasn't necessarily talking about the primacy of your physical life. Jesus was placing the primary value on your spiritual life, believing that it would sway your physical life. In the common English version of the Bible and the Gospels, Jesus is often calling people. It states that he would call them to change their hearts and their lives. For their hearts to be changed so that their lives will be changed. For their spirits to be changed so that their physical life would be different. Other versions of the Bible say that Jesus called people to repentance. And repentance means to literally turn around and go a different direction than where you are headed. Resurrection was and is the visible sign of going a different direction in life. But I don't believe it's something that God intends solely for our future. Because that's the way we've often heard it. We think of resurrection as something that's coming for us in the future. When you die, when Christ comes back again, you're hoping to be resurrected from the dead, that you might have a new physical and spiritual body. But I think of it this way. Spiritually, resurrection should have already happened for many of us if it doesn't happen for us today. That life has already been granted to us in the forgiveness of sins and what Christ has done for each one of us. And as followers of Christ, we are called to respond now, to go in a new direction, to go a different way. You think of it from the letters that Paul wrote. That's why we read many of the letters that Paul has written and how he's formed and shaped this conversation. Because he's calling communities to go a different way than what their practices were in his time, in Roman times. He wrote a letter to Galatia. That's one of the earliest ones. That's kind of the, the seedbed for what we have put this series around. Is a letter to Galatia in which he says to them, These things should have passed away from you. They are death. You need to leave them. And he has this long list that includes things like selfishness, sexual immorality, moral corruption, hedonism, idolatry. He goes on with drug use, witchcraft, fighting, obsession, anger, conflict, rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, all this long list of all of these things, Paul says, this is death. It's death spiritually. And it will not grant you life now. Basically, he's just calling them the walking dead if they're living in life that way. He wants them to come and experience life that is resurrected now, life that is abundant and different than that which is around them. So Paul Paul invited them to a change of heart and then life. That they might see the crucified Christ as one who now gives them the power to live into the Holy Spirit. And from living into the Holy Spirit, they might see something else come from their lives. Things like love, joy, peace, and patience. Kindness and gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We read First Peter this morning intentionally Because you think about it, 70 plus years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his followers are still struggling with the world around them and what it means to be going in a different direction, living a resurrected life, living a life that is abundant in Christ. And so this writer sends epistle to an even broader group of churches than just Galatia. If you read the very first part of this letter of 1 Peter, it says to God's chosen strangers in the world of the diaspora, a big, large world and area, people who live in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He writes to them and says, you have wasted enough time doing the things that the unbelievers do. Your living is the walking dead. It is time to live in the power of the resurrection, the resurrected life for you. Turn around and go a different direction. I wonder if that isn't true for some of us today. Maybe we need to learn what it means today to live in the power of the resurrection that we might have that life, that abundant life that we are invited to experience and to share with all the world. One of my favorite fruits is an apple. I like Jonathan's. That's my favorite one. Occasionally, if my wife buys a Fuji, I'll I'll eat a Fuji. And if I really feel frisky, I might go grab a Granny Smith, you know, just for a little something different. But whenever I eat an apple, I kind of have a routine. Maybe you do as well. I'll I'll find the best-looking one either in the bunch, and I'll take it out. I usually peel the label off of them because darn it, they all come with a label nowadays. So you got to peel the label off of it. Take the stem out of it. Wash it under some water. I might dry it off or just shake most of the water off. And then I put it in my right hand because I'm right-handed. And I open my mouth as wide as I possibly can. Right? And that's my first bite. As big a bite as I can possibly get out of it. Bam! Right? Which inevitably means that I'm going to wind up with apple juice right about here, and usually in the palm of my hand. Now, that I know that's not the only way to eat an apple. You can certainly slice it up. you still got to pick it up with your fingers and things like that. You're still going to get some juice on you. For those of you that aren't into things like that, maybe you go into the silverware drawer and you find those little yellow things that are about this long, right? They have little skewers on the end of them, and maybe you take them and you put one in each end of the apple and you hold it like this, like a corn on the cob. Right? You start biting at it like this so you can keep yourself clean. You don't want to get any of the juice on you. But what's the fun in that? Right? Isn't the fun of eating an apple, getting the sticky stuff all over your face and your hands? Because that's part of the tangible evidence of the fruit. That the fruit is present in that moment. Friends, new lives are ours today in Christ. Jesus lived, died, was buried, rose from the grave again, so that you might have life and life more abundant. All it requires of us is the willingness to go in a different direction. So friends, maybe it's time for us to shed the burial suit of our so-called lives. Maybe it's time for us to stop being the walking dead, to turn around, to go in a different direction, to go in a resurrected direction in our lives that this good fruit might come forth in each one of us. To listen to the story of Jesus. To learn from the other early apostles. To hear the call to live life and life that is more abundant. Life that is marked by the real, evident, and present fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because Christ was for us that first fruit of God. The promise to produce in any one of us faith that is in Him. And through that faith that we might live a resurrected life in Christ. Life that is abundant. So dear friends, rise. Abundant life. Fruit filled life awaits you. Dear friends, turn around and go in a different direction. I want to invite you to take your worship guides out this morning.